Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Sleaze, Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. Jason Kokrak's your champion. Beat out our guy, Jordan Spieth. But that is not the story of the week. The story of the week was you working on the weekend hmm. at Colonial on the PGA Tour. First time ever. It was the first How'd time for everything. First, good to have you back in studio. First time eight long weeks on the road for the kid. You got to be gassed a little bit. But it was fun seeing you last week. And yeah, dude, tour debut on the bag. Wyndham Clark. A lot of expectations. I actually went into the week talking to Dub. And I was like, what do you want me to do, dude? Do you want me to try hard? I'll get you all the numbers. You can go through them. I want you to get them too, just because I don't want to be on the hook for any bad numbers, anything like that. And he's like, honestly, I'm on my six weeks straight. Wasn't even really planning on playing this week. Wasn't planning on paying the PJ Championship the week before. He's like, I just want to have fun. I've never played good here. I've never even sniffed a cut. So anything we do this week is a bonus. Let's just go out there, laugh, make me laugh. Let's play like we're playing at Whisper Rock. You don't need to be serious or do any of that. Let's just have a good time and go. And dude, we did. I mean, I, it was it was a lot of fun. Like we had a we had a blast out there. It was more or less. He did a shot. We go through our numbers. We start walking, and it was like over. We just talk about random stuff. There's some good content to be had if we had been mic'd up the whole time. Might have been canceled by society altogether after that. But I mean, it was it was really really fun watching him go around and play. I mean, top twenty at the end of the at the end of the week, bogey free weekend. That was solid. And uh, he was like, dude, I've never played this good here before. Um, that was fun. And I think it was just kind of a nice break for him in a long stretch of golf to kind of just chill a little bit and not have it as much of a grind as he's been going through. Yeah, well, I was documenting the early part of the week. He got <laughs> off to a little bit of a rocky start. Tuesday, right out of the gate, you dropped the rangefinder. Yep. The group behind you had to bring it up to you on the next hole. Thursday, you get down to your first <laughs> tee shot. You don't have a pin sheet, which is kind of important. Need it. Got to have it. The first day we tee off, and I'm we're sitting there hitting a couple of last practice putts on that upper putting green, and it's like two minutes before we tee off. All the other players are going to tee. I'm like, Dub, all right. He hands me the putter. I'm like, all right, I'll meet you over there. It's like, good, cool. So I grab the putter, walk over there, set up the bag, getting ready, you know, getting all the cover distances and things like that. Dub's nowhere. And Ben on, they, they announce, we're playing with Ben on and Sam Ryder. They're announcing Ben on on the tee. Ben on stops after they announce him, like, looks around. He's like, where's Wyndham? I'm like, <laughs> he's right here. He just was behind me 30 seconds ago. I don't know what he's doing. Been on tees off. Dub is still not there. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? So I'm like looking around the corner. I don't know corner. if this is legal. Dub was like, the, the rule is, I guess, when you're announced, you have to be on the tee. So if you're the third person, if Dub had been first, it would have been a penalty. He wouldn't have been up there yet. So anyways, finally, Dub comes around the corner. So I'm already like, Jesus, if I had my guy hadn't been on the tee for his first tee shot for his first time in his career, that'd be some problems. But he got up there. We hit it. We're walking down the fairway. We're about 120 yards off the tee. He's like, yo, you got a pin sheet? I was like. No, I thought that's what you're doing when you're going in the tent in there. He's like, no, I don't have one. Like, did you not think you need one for yourself? No, I did, but I thought he would just grab it. Oh, I thought he would get it out of the caddy locker room, but I, did, I didn't go down there that day. So I was like, no, dude, I don't got a pin sheet. You got a pin sheet? He's like, no. I was like, all right, hold on, I'll go get it. I'll sprint. I was ready to go Usain Bolt back to the first tee, but I was like, God, this is going to get brought up. Colt's going to find out about it. Everyone's going to rag on me. And he's like, no, no, I got it. So he trots back, goes back, and gets the pin sheet. So I was like, there I was first hole already fresh out the gates. Like, well, this isn't going quite according to plan. But after that, the, I feel like the mistakes were pretty minimal. You, you caught me on TV well, on number eight, first bunker, bunker we hit in. You saw the work I put in. I overraked the hell out of every bunker that I got. Cause I like, the last thing dub was going to happen if someone hits in a bunker behind us and they complain about the rate job. So I was like, I might take a little while in these, in these bunkers, make well, sure it's flawless. I want to go back to the pin sheet real quick, because just so you know, I hear all, I find out everything. I knew it. And I got a text right after y'all teed off from a caddy in the group behind you. <laughs> said, uh, free content. Slee's already forgot a pin sheet. They, they had to come back and get a pin sheet. I'm like, first off, you made Wyndham go back and get it, which is just shocking to me. Our guy, Ray Whitney, caddy for Graham Dillette at the Olympics, does full-on sprint back to get a pin sheet and come back. I Doesn't begged. I, be I was like, dude, I got it. I got it. You just walk up there and get all your stuff. Him. I was like, you, he's like, dude, no, no, I got it. I got it. I'm going to run back there. And I was like, all right, well, go get it. I, I did everything in my power to run back and get that t uh, that pin sheet. He wasn't having it. But I was like walking alone in the fairway. I was like, God, people are going to find. I know Colt's mm -hmm. going to find out I about find this. Here everything. we go. First hole right out the gates. But then after that, we got more into routine and uh, it straightened out. I mean, honestly, dude, we just walked around bullshitted laughed it was like the most relaxed and we got great players and caddies to play with too like the last day we played with ryan palmer james edmondson that was super fun a lot of talking in that one first couple of days sam Ryder is a guy i knew played you know canada with for a number of years before he got on tour uh his caddy was great and then dino the beauty who was caddying for ben on one of the best joke tellers we just i mean it was like pretty relaxed atmosphere almost the entire time which was perfect well there was a moment where you weren't so relaxed so let's get into this so yes. i was there all week doing the tv and um, I had to go in. We got to get amongst advisors now. My boy Parker from CBS that rides with me in spots for me, he loves visors. So I, Wyndham had it in his locker. So I went in there to get it. 
Well, I see our good friend Adam Long. And he goes, did you see Sleaze is wearing golf shoes out there? And I'm like, I know. It's embarrassing. I was like, to be fair, it was wet. You didn't want your feet wet and all that. I understand that. But you're still wearing golf shoes. I was like, I got a little idea here. I was like, what if we maybe get a little fake fine letter written up? And he's like, dude, you got to do it. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I call my guys at the PGA Tour. Put me in touch with one of the rules guys. They're like, he'll do it for you. Just call him. So I call, and I'm like, all right, here's what we got. My boy that I do the podcast with, radio, all that, he's caddying for Wyndham. Well, he's wearing golf shoes out there. And I'm not sure if there's a rule or not, but I just need you to act like there is one and write up a letter saying, you know, he uh, he broke caddy, the, the rules that caddies have to follow. The protocol, yeah. The protocol, all that. And I need you to find him. He goes, all right, what do you want the fine to be for? And I was like, $1,000. Because Adam said $5,000. i am like, dude, that's not believable. That's just yeah. ridiculous. There was talks maybe like a stroke penalty. I'm like, you're not going to stroke Wyndham for his caddy doing this. I said, $1,000. So my man writes up this beautiful letter, got the PGA Tour logo, rules official. I mean, it's as official as real. If you get a real fine, this is what it looks like. Dear Drew, we're, you know, we're so disappointed in your blatant disregard for the rules is what I think that was, was my exact favorite verbiage. Part. Yeah. Yes. But it led to a thousand dollar fine, which is payable to PGA Tour charities. That's how it goes. And, you know, gave his cell phone number, his email if you need to um if you need to reach out to him. Here it is. Well, the the, the plan we had originally was it looked like there was going to have to be a restart on fr- uh, Saturday morning. So there was going to be going off two tees. Y'all were going to be in the afternoon going off number 10. But I knew like some of the big name guys around the lead were going to be warming up possibly at the same time. So I already had a talk where we're going to have CBS come out here with a camera, act like they're filming the guys that are in the lead, but slowly pan over to you as my man hands you this envelope with the letter in it. But... That would have been disastrous, yes, by the way. That would have been great. Yeah. But needless to say, we came up with plan B. You know, y'all finish yeah. Saturday. He goes, I'm going to go give it to him in scoring right now. So I'm going to let you take it from here because I was not yeah. there. I yeah. just hear what happened. We come out of the scoring tent. I was keeping the score for Dub and whoever he was keeping score for. So I would walk up into the scoring tent, you know, rip it off, give it to Dub. They'd check it all. And we walk out. Well, Dub finally, after tons of close misses on Saturday, finally hit one stony on 18, tap in. We're all riding high. We got some good momentum going into Sunday. I was like, that's what I'm talking about, kid. That's, you know, that's that close one I've been talking about. We're all in a good mood, you know, a couple under on Saturday. We come out of the scoring tent and, the, and the, this official is right there. And he's like, uh, hey, guys. He's like, uh, are you Drew Stoltz? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, of course I am, bud. What do you want to know? I thought he was ready to do like a report a bigger on this new dynamic duo on the PGA Tour. But like, yeah, I'm Drew. How are you? And he's like, hey. And then the mood changed. Like, got real somber real quick. He's like, hey, man, I uh, hate to be the bearer of bad news. And immediately in my head, I'm like, what did I do? I've done something. I stood behind Dub while he was hitting or I was too close or whatever. I knew I had something disastrous that happened. He's like, it's come to our attention via, you know, some complaints out there that your shoes are your shoes are non-conforming. And I was like, I looked at Dub and I'm like, I... I Wyndham gave me these shoes from Nike for caddying, and I they have like the rubber nubs on the bottom, just like all the like walking golf shoes or whatever. Um, and I'd asked like ten different people. I was like, "Yo, are these okay? They're waterproof." Dub gave them to me. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, they're fine." Some other caddies were like, "Oh yeah, dude, you're good. It's no sweat." So I'd been assured by a bunch of people that they were fine. Then he's like, uh, "We got some complaints about your footwear, and um, yeah, looking at them now, I can see that this violates the caddy protocol that's you know agreed upon by his player. Actually, the player is the one that's responsible for his caddy, so." Uh, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but um, we're going to have to issue you a fine. And he hands me the, the letter. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, what are we talking? I was like, dude, you got <laughs> 85 guys out here, you know, trampling around with medals on the bottom. But it's my rubber shoes that are a problem. I was like, how is this a thing? So immediately I get the letter. It's like two paragraphs. I don't read one word. I'm just scrolling for the dollar amount. I'm like, where's the fine? Where's the fine? Where's the fine? I get to him like $1,000. And I look up. I'm like, $1,000? I was like, is there no appeal process? There's no warning? Like, it's just one hit. If someone's playing slow, you guys give them a warning. I can't get a warning on the shoes. I would have taken them off right there and traded with Wyndham's brother or something. Like, how does this work? And then Wyndham chimes in, and he starts kind of, you know, going at him, which he did it unbelievable acting job by the way i, I did give Wyndham a heads up the night before yeah so Wyndham was yeah. Wyndham was privy to all this but he was like well, he's like what is this so how do we appeal this i'm not going to stand for this like how do i appeal this and he's like well yeah you can absolutely appeal it he's like drew can i see the bottom of your shoes and i turn them up he's like yeah you don't have much of grounds for an appeal i was like how are these illegal i asked 50 people and nike gave them to me what the hell is going on so finally he's like you know i hate to do this guys sorry but yeah this Wyndham, this ultimately falls on you and he like walked off and i'm looking at dub i'm like dude are you out of your mind like what is going i felt so bad immediately. And I was like, dude, you're not paying the fine. I'm paying the fine. It's my fault. I should have known. Dub was like, dude, don't worry. We're going to fight this. I'm going to call my agent right now. He's going to get on it. Let's just, you know, go eat lunch. We'll figure this thing out. So I go down to eat lunch. Wyndham's agent texts me. He's like, Sleaze, just got a call from the tour. 
terrible look, bro, for your first. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's a terrible look, Rob. I freaking didn't know these <laughs> yeah, things were Rob. illegal, bud. You know, somebody give me a freaking heads up on this thing. So I'm sitting down in their caddy in the in the in the caddy locker room by myself for the just, you know, in a corner, just sucking my thumb like, God, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, and I told Wyndham after it got down, I was like, don't tell anyone about this. Like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to fight this. This is a nothing burger. We'll get it figured out. But don't tell anyone. I'm sitting down there and I'm brainstorming who could be the guy that complained. And I'm running through some names. I'm like, who do I need to kill for this? Because someone's going to die for this. And I ultimately, I had a couple names, but I was like, I think what may have happened was somebody wanted to play a joke on me because I'm getting a bunch of shit from all the guys, you know, a week. Oh, wow, they'll let anybody out here and that type of stuff. And I was like, I bet somebody went to the tour and complained, thinking that they'd like come talk to me and issue me a warning or whatever and play a little joke on me. But once they reported it, the tour like took it over and now it's just kind of escalated. That was kind of what I thought. And as I'm sitting there thinking more and more, my phone buzzes. I look down, it's like, Oh, Twitter, you've been tagged in a tweet. Oh, from Colt Most. And I'm like, okay, this is weird timing. I don't know what this could be, but it better not be about the damn shoes. Click on it, and it's a, your notes, you know, that you wrote, like, update, sleazy man, fine, first round ever <laughs> on VJ Tour. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Never been Christ. more embarrassed. Immediately, I'm like, this fucking Colt, man. I can't believe you would just air me out like this right now. You know, I said, don't tell anyone. How does he already know all this stuff? I hear all sleazy. Then it says, scroll over for our comments, and I scroll over, and I see you interviewing Wyndham. And immediately when I saw, like, an interview was taking place, I was like, oh, boy, this is fake. This is, a, this is a prank, and I just got got. Then you guys run through the, you know, the whole interview, and then at the end, you say, got him. And all that. And I was like, I cannot believe I got got. So I immediately walk out. I am kind of happy because I'm like, thank God this is fake. But B, I'm also pissed because like, this is what I should be doing to guys. You know what I mean? Nope. This, I'm getting a little dose of my own right now. So I walk out, head straight to the putting green. And there's Dub with his brother, a couple other people, a couple other players standing around. And they're just dying laughing. I was like, you, <laughs> you dirty dogs. <laughs> and we had a huge laugh. And then, like, of course, every other player that found out about the whole week was like, oh, Slay's out. You need an extra thousand? Are you working uh, for free and all great. this? I it was, was on, well done, dude. I was on air when we did all this because I was hanging out in the first fairway waiting on Jordan's group to come through on Saturday. And Dub's like, I want to post it on Instagram. I was like, no, first off, I came up with this. I'm going to be the one to release it. But come down to the first fairway. We'll film a little video real quick. So during a commercial break, we filmed that quick video. Go back out. My phone's in the cart, so I'm just waiting on you to explode. And all of a sudden, there's this text with me and Wyndham and you and just basically plotting how you're going to kill us. Yep. That's it. <laughs> and I was like, yes, everything. This is fantastic. I've never been happier because I knew we got you so good. It were, It was just one of, it was one of those deals where, A, I feel like my antennas were down. I'm out of my element. I'm a guest in the tour's house, you know, and I wasn't. The only positive of it was, I remained classy to the who I found out is like one Which of the higher up like <laughs> VPs of the PGA oh, yeah. Tour. I didn't bust out and say anything I shouldn't have. I kind of just ate it and kind of disputed it, but I was didn't say anything stupid that I would have regretted. But also after after it happened, I was like, "How are my antennas down so much that I didn't see this coming?" But it was so much of like a bullshit penalty and just just the right amount of a fine that I was like, "There's so many weird golf rules." You know, this could be a real thing. Like I don't know. Well, you know? when we first got the letter drawn up on Friday. I, it was during the rain delay and I was over at Justin Thomas's um, house he rented and because he was hanging out there, girl Jill, they had the dogs and Spieth came over just because he didn't want to sit in the locker room. He's got his dog was playing, hanging out, t bullshitting and I'm like, I tell the story and he's like, and then all of a sudden I get the letter. He's like, let me see it. So I show him, he's like, God, this is so good. So I got his group. <laughs> Last group on Saturday. We're walking down the fairway. He caught an unbelievable break off the first hole. I kind of look back and just smile. I was like, you're unbelievable. He goes, hey, stop, come here. And I'm like, what? He goes, you got to show Michael the letter. I'm like, dude, you're the last group on Saturday. Like, let's focus. I'll show you the letter later. But yeah, I love it. It was, it went over very well. Go make some, yes, it went over very well. Tip of the cap to here. Touch me right here. Tip of the cap to you guys. It worked. I got, I took a lot of grief from all the, because the word got around and people were laughing about it and all this stuff. And I was like, yep, just got it. At some point, you just got to nod your, you know, tip your it cap happens. and say, I got, got a little bit. I was a little out of my element and took advantage of it. Well played. When the tweet, tweet notification came up and you and I just read the note, yeah. I was like, this freaking cold. I can't believe he would just smoke <laughs> me out like this, bro. Like, we're partners, dog. Come on. How about a little pro And then I was going to blame Wyndham because I was like, I said, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and then I had like three other people in my brain I was going to kill that I thought complained. So it was like good and bad. I was like, okay, thank God I didn't get fined and ruin Wyndham. But, uh, and B, I don't have to kill anyone now. But awesome. I was also embarrassed. Well, well done. Congrats on your first... <laughs> Top 20 on the PGA Tour. That's great. Feels good. Our guest this week is normally pretty disappointed when he finished top 20. Xander Schauffele is an absolute ATM machine, one of the best players on the planet, and he sat down with us in Charlotte.
Yeah, what a guy he is. This was fun because, like, he's a pretty kind of closed book, you know? He gives you the interviews after the round. He's not an emotional guy. He's not ever trying to have the spotlight. So to get some insight from him, this was a, this was a really fun one. I didn't know him at all leading up to this one. Yeah, he's so nice. He was very open. Even took a few shots at my man, the Sleaze. So I really enjoyed that. Let's get to it. Here's Xander Shoffley on Golf Subpar. Before we get to Xander Shoffley, got to tell you about our friends from TaylorMade. Sleaze, every tour pro on earth swears by urethane golf balls. And there are plenty of expensive options for tour golf balls for those who want that. But if you're the kind of golfer that wants more performance for less, there's tour response from TaylorMade. Yeah, we all go in the pro shop before a round, want to grab a couple sleeves. We want all the tour balls. They cost the grizz. And more likely than not, when you get done with your round, you don't have very many of them left. But TaylorMade Tour Response is a tour quality ball, golf ball for a discounted price. Yeah, you want to hit it high. You want to hit it far. You want to spin it around the greens. Try Tour Response by TaylorMade. Try TaylorMade Tour Response. Colt, swear by it, not at it. But also, you can swear at it, too, if you want. Exactly. Use, co- use code SUBPARTM for free two-day shipping. TaylorMade Tour Response. All right, you may recognize this guest, next guest that we have with us today. Currently the fourth-ranked player in the world, four-time PGA Tour winner. Probably makes the game of golf look easier than anyone else in the world, I would argue. Xander Schauffele. Thanks for coming on, my man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate we really it. appreciate it. We've been talking about this a little bit. You know, I had your group back at San Diego, Farmers. <laughs> here we go. And That's the only reason know, why I'm here. We're no, there. Yeah. So I'm going to get to it. We're, on, we're Friday afternoon, you know, it's your hometown event, kind of grinding to make the cut, and the weather turned a little not so San Diego on us. Had a little sleet coming down, and you blocked a ball to the right of the green on 17. Easy, you, easy. It was two feet off the green. It was off the green. That's all I know. Okay. Yeah, it was off the green. Yeah, it, 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 it go right of where you were looking? It was right of where I was looking. Okay. It was also well, hailing, too. Which yeah, it I've was hailing. Seen. Okay. Which they said. This is all true. Plan. This is all true. And we get up there, and there's no golf ball. So, Because I always go over to assess the lie to see if it's difficult. And, and you're like, where did, did you see it? And I'm like, well, I thought it bounced. But apparently, that was a piece of hail bouncing, <laughs> bouncing up. Can't find the ball. And it's getting rather close to three minutes Three now. minutes goes fast. It does. When you actually do yeah. three minutes, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I feel like a bit of a gray area on tour these days. But when you actually do three minutes, it goes fast. We're sitting there. With, someone said, like, minute 40. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Well, I'm walking, and all of a sudden I see a dimple in the ground. I mean, this ball is buried. I'm like, oh, there's a ball here. And he digs it up. It's his. Gets it up and down. Makes par. Makes the cut on the number, I believe. I think I birdied uh, 18. The to, story's better if you made the cut. I know. This, <laughs> is kind of, this kind of well, drag, drags you through the dirt a little more. Yeah, it's better if you made the I would have missed the cut if you didn't find yes. the ball. 100%. And then you go on to finish tied for second and make 400 and something thousand dollars. Here I am. Mm. And so I made a deal. He's like, he, it's not about he, the money, Colt. But. He, no, he, he told me, he's like, I'll give you some cash or you come on the podcast. And for the team, I said, you know what? You come on the podcast. We'll call it even. For the squad. But if you just don't want to slap me some I cash, I appreciate I'll take that. It. Uh, we, we de- I definitely owe you more than a podcast, but yeah, we're good. 435000 No big on deal. That That's the car. Before we get like into all the <laughs> beef of this thing, I just got to say, typically before a show we have a guest on, we like to reach out to some friends, other players, and dig up a little bit of dirt. Hey, give us a funny story or something that happened. I got to say, between the two of us, we've texted, called probably 10 people plus on you, and to a man, you are definitely the hardest person we've ever had on. They're like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. The guy is perfect. So... You got some good friends out there, or you wow. have blackmail material on a lot of your friends because no one's giving up nothing. Took the four thirty-five and distributed across the tour, so no one's saying anything bad about him. <laughs> Genius. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. That's just, that's I mean, between business. you and Colin Morikawa, I'm not sure who has a cleaner image. I mean, it's something to be proud of. I mean, he's only been out here for like a couple of weeks, so that's that true. Doesn't really count. Give it time, Colin. You'll Webb, up. Webb looks like Al Capone. <laughs> 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 All right, well, let's get a, let's go back to the early years. You started at Long Beach State, transferred to San Diego State. Um, what was the move? Too close to John Mallinger? What was going on? How'd you know? That makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, I heard Mallory was there, and I met him in person, and it was, it was kind of a red flag. So Cantley moved leave. across the country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, it was an easy move. Uh, I signed with uh, a coach there, and he left to take his dream job at TaylorMade, and um, it was kind of a no-brainer to go back home. And I got my, my dad, who's my, been my swing coach my whole life, and my putting coach in San Diego. So I figured if I want to get better at golf, I should probably be closer to my coaches. So that was the move. So it was an easy choice. It was. How heavily recruited were you like coming up out of junior golf and things like that? Cause I mean, you were the what, 2011 Colorado, or excuse me, California state high school champion. See, I'm, you, you yeah. can't. Professional. Freudian slip. This is Xander. He's from California. I was actually asked you to ask you if, how it was growing up in the shadow of Hale Irwin. I don't know. <laughs> Who told you to ask that? 
<laughs> Wyndham. Yep. That way, I freaking knew it. Yeah, oh, tell that's him. great. Ask him how it was growing up in my shadow. Oh, that's exactly uh, what he said you'd say. Oh, it's weird. Shit. You're predictable. Steve. My son knows me. Um, yeah. All right. So California State champion. Like, but you didn't play a ton of AJGAs. All no, that no, no. Uh, pretty much local. I mean, I I got in a bunch of good schools. Everyone was rather shocked when. Uh, I ended up going to Long Beach. It was sort of the worst school I could have possibly gone to, to them, you know, on the outside. But I felt like, uh, you know, with the likes of Jamie Mulligan there, along with the field and Virginia and just a, a team I thought I could play on. That was kind of my dad's rule. He goes, you need to go somewhere where you're going to play. If I went to like UCLA or Berkeley, he was like, you might struggle in school for one. And two, he goes, there's a good chance you don't play. You know what I mean? And so he wanted me to play starting – from freshman year on, and that's that's part of the reason why I went there initially. Talk a little bit about your relationship with your dad, because y'all have an interesting one. I mean, he is your swing coach. It's different. He's out a lot of weeks. He's got a lot of hats. Uh, he does. He can be a little blunt. He's, uh, yeah, you either love him or hate him, I think. You know, I think a lot of the guys on tour, we always joke, it's a traveling circus. You know, there's, there's nice... Uh, He's kind of like the linen guy now. He just walks around with it, looking like a, a Cuban drug lord half the time. And <laughs> I think a lot of guys get a kick out of it, and he's kind of lighthearted, and he'll kind of walk around and kind of shoot the shit with anyone. So, um, I, you know, love or hate, I think most of the guys out here kind of enjoy his presence, it seems. He gave you a cigar and a, what, a glass of scotch or something at age 11? It seems like a hell of a dad to me. <laughs> yeah, I FaceTimed him yesterday, actually, and he was smoking a cigar outside, so not, not a whole lot has changed. God bless Not him. too stressed. No. <laughs> no, not he, anymore, I can tell you that. He's your only coach you've ever had, right? And you didn't see your, I've read that you didn't, you haven't seen, you didn't ever saw your swing on video until you were 18 years old. What yep. did you think the first time? Yeah, I was like 17 or 18. He said, I'm not going to show you your swing until it's perfect and it's far from it, so you can't look at it and... It was funny. A lot of my friends growing up actually were like scared of him because he would threaten them. Like if they videoed my swing and showed it to me on like an iPhone or something, he'd hurt them physically. So um, he was serious about it uh, and they all respected it for the most part until, you know, I was old enough and I kind of went to college and I was away and I didn't see him as much. I felt like it was time for me to see my swing. So, you know, I don't know, probably wasn't everything I dreamed of, um, but it's good enough. I, be- yeah, I'd say it's I believe enough. in one interview, they asked him about your game, and I think he just flat out said, oh, he sucks. He Have you changed his mind yet? <laughs> you know, the reverse psychology is big yeah. in the house. Um, no, he'll just say, I, I, there's a bunch of stuff, a few shots I'm missing or something I need to work on. So here I am working on it. I'm doing all right. What's the thing that you and your dad work on the most? Like, you seem to have a pretty simple golf game. You never are far off. I mean, you never miss a weekend, it seems like. What's the like keys that you guys work on? I'd say a lot of it's set up for me. Um, he always kind of made sure I, I would swing my swing, I guess, if that makes any sense. Sort of my natural move is something he reverts back to, sort of how I load and kind of like uh, with the club in transition and how I move through the ball. He didn't really change much where, I, you know, I sit back and I, I hate how I kind of hang back and I get a lot of side bend and certain things like that. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know, that kind of helps here and there as long as I can maintain my body. But um, for the most part these days, we just work a lot on setup and, uh, a lot of calibration, kind of just making sure I know, you know, where the target is in space and, and where I'm trying to hit it. Yeah, it, it seems simple. Yeah. <laughs> it looks simple. I mean, it yeah, looks it's, so simple. It's incredible. I mean, you really you have no weaknesses. It's it's awesome to see. Trying. But it, when you were, like, say in college, you're coming up. I mean, did you ever envision, like, okay, here in just a few years, I'm going to be the number four ranked player in the world? No, not at all. I mean, it's just so cool. Like, it's crazy how, I mean, I feel like. I watch a lot of golf. I pay attention to everything that's going on. I mean, you went to San Diego State, so it's not the biggest golf school in the world. And here you are. I mean, you go to the Corn Ferry Tour, and you, you have a pretty good first year. But now it's just like, oh, my God, this rise has been unbelievable. Yeah. It's the, as you know, the tour is uh, – I don't know about the Colorado Tour, but um, the PGA <laughs> – I love the Alexander. The, the PGA Tour is sort of a rat race. You know, you never really get a whole lot of time to sit back and look at, you know, what you wanted to do or accomplish and what you have accomplished. And – um, it is crazy, you know. If I do take a real big step back and look at everything, it, it's 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 crazy, man. You yeah. know, it, it is crazy. If someone told me where I'd be now, obviously I I dreamt it up. I don't even know if I dreamt it that big, but um, you know, I think everyone around me believed I could do it, so they just pushed me along. Tell about talk about 2016 because out on the Corn Ferry Tour, you ended up finishing 26th mm-hmm. on the regular season money list by a thousand dollars. I mean, what was that last week like? I believe it was in Portland. I mean, yeah, it was it was stressful, but. Uh, you know, some guy, uh, not some guy, Mark Anderson ended up hitting in the trees on the right, and I think it kicked out, and he ended up getting it up and down for birdie, and I was sitting there. Uh, I don't even know if, remember if I was watching. I was sick to my stomach. I was yeah. on my phone refreshing the app every two seconds, and then that happened where, you know, I think if you made par, I would have gotten in. 
something like that. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there. I'm like, damn, Mark Anderson. You know what I mean? Screwed me. That's incredible. No, I didn't think that way at all. All I, all I thought about was all the times I hockey sticked a short putt because I was pissed off is, mm-hmm. is really what I thought about. So I was fortunate that the playoffs were really close. I think that was a nice thing they implemented, and I knew I was in good form. So I, I really kind of washed it off real quick and moved along swiftly. $1,000. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Leading up to that year, you go to Q school. You cruise through first and second stage, go to finals, and finish – 45th, which is the spot you got to finish to get through the first two reshuffles. I mean, the first year or so, you were living on the bubble there. Uh, former former uh, USAM champ, Stephen Fox, I still owe him a bottle of wine. He uh, missed like a six-footer on the last hole. Austin, my caddy, was sitting there with a rangefinder over at PJ National in like the almost no dark. Way. Wow. And that's... he missed a putt, which let like five or six of us in. And I see Austin fist pumping, running around like an idiot on the putting green because <laughs> he was like one of the last two groups coming in, and we needed someone to, to bogey. Yeah. And he missed the sixth floor letting us in. And I was like, holy smokes, I finished tied 45th. That is a huge yeah. I mean, in hindsight, looking back at it, you don't get the first no, for, yeah, most likely. We all know what mean, opportunity means out here. So that was, that, was, that was a big one for me. Damn, shout yeah. out Stephen Fox. That's awesome. <laughs> what a guy. What a yeah, guy. Well, you, you just keep getting better and better and better. You get out on the PGA Tour after getting it in the, your, your card in the, in the web playoffs there. You, you win twice. I mean, you have a your rookie of the year. Was when you got to the PJ Tour, it was like, cool, I made it, or is it now? Let's what 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 can I do at, at this level? When I got to the PJ Tour, it was it was uh, I don't know if you remember your rookie year. It was like, holy smokes, where's registration? Mm-hmm. Where do I park? Uh, where's the range? Uh, I had some, where's a putting green? <laughs> I had some nice ladies tell me that caddy registration was down below. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I remember that well. Excuse that, me, son. That's yeah. still that still might be true if you showed up yeah, to it. Yeah, back exactly. Good point. <laughs> Um, but it was, it was hectic, you know, you, you're not comfortable at all. It's a new environment, new courses. You see all the people that you've seen growing up on tour, watching on TV, uh, not on tour, but watching from your couch on TV. And you're finally kind of sitting around in certain events with them and you're just trying to, you know, ease into the week and you're sitting there staring. I mean, for me, I sat there and stared at the cut board, you know, the digital board all day long on Friday sitting, you know, what's the cut going to be? And I, it would stress me out. And that's kind of how I started. Got a, you know, didn't play well for a really long time. Um, I think, uh, the U S open was my big kind of come out party. Did all right. Did yeah. And the, the big thing that no one really knows is I, I actually had a Monday for that. And I played with the thing that people know is I played with Steve Stricker for 36 holes when he was trying to Monday for the Aaron Hills tournament in his hometown. Yeah. So I was very fortunate to be in that pairing sitting there, you know, Stricker and his agent Mario was caddying. I'm like, I'm about to watch a, you know, former top five player in the world go at it because I know more than anyone in this field, he wants to get into this tournament. So it was awesome to watch Stricker pick apart uh, that course in Germantown. And I was able to learn a lot from him there and uh, I ended up going into a playoff there and Stricker came up to me and we didn't know each other at all. And he goes, you're, you're going to be out. You're going to be okay out here, kid. Like, don't you That's worry. Awesome. So full circle, you know, him, him, you know, hopefully I make this team here uh, at Whistling Straits and him being my captain is, is really, really special for me personally. Wow, that's a really cool, cool story. story. And we'll but, talk about that Ryder Cup here in a little bit. Now that you've had a couple years under your belt now, and you know how hard it is to win on the PJ Tour, do you ever look back on that rookie year with two wins right out the gates, having never played any of those golf courses, and think like, damn, that's a pretty impressive year? You know what, Drew? I look back to those a lot. I haven't won in a while, <laughs> which which sucks. And I look back to those those tournaments. I remember my attitude when I showed up to Eastlake was like a kid in the candy store. You know, 30 guys, no one was out there. I was walking around and I'm like, I'm just lucky to be here. You know what I mean? I had that mentality and I kind of, obviously the course fits my game well and I've, I've played really well there, but I had this mentality that it was, it was, it was easy going, carefree, and it led to a lot of good golf. So I do look back to my rookie year a lot in terms of sort of how I was, had a really bad attitude and had a really good attitude and kind of the fruits that bared. Uh, talk about that putt on the 72nd hole at that tour championship, by the way. My expression kind of says it all. I wow. was I was shitting myself. My hands, <laughs> you know, I get sweaty thinking about it. Um, I don't even know Did if I... Did you think you missed it when it came off the face? It was. the thing. If you didn't put a hole there, that thing may have gone to the front edge of the green. <laughs> I would have finished in fifth or something. <laughs> That's probably what, I, what would have happened. But, you know, fortunately, for whatever reason, it, it caught low lip and, and went in. Yeah, well, that rookie year, I mean, you made a lot of money, but... You stayed very grounded because I believe you drove your same car for quite a while. Have, first off, tell us about that car and have you <laughs> upgraded yet? I so I'm I currently live in Las Vegas now, so I've had to get you know a few different cars just to be in different places. But I I got a in Vegas I have a Forerunner and a electric Audi. Nothing what fancy. was the one you drove for so long? The one I still have in San Diego is my uh, Camry from college. From when I could 
put a down payment on, or a, a, when I leased it when I was on the web.com. I drove that exact car when I played a month of Mondays on the Corn Ferry, a gray Camry with uh, just black, you know, red stitching. Like I remember the entire car and I drove it around for a month, you know, around Kansas, Missouri, all these tournaments. And I get home, I'm like, I need a freaking car. Like I have a 96 Montero. That's, you know, the, the bearings are broke. It squeaks when I drive around. Like it's done. It's toast. It's got 350,000 miles. So I was like, I'm going to get the exact same car that I drove around for a month. Like I know everything about it. And that's, that's what I did. And I still drive it now when I'm in San Diego. You pay off the lease? I ended up buying it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. That's you know, cool. I figured, you it, I figured it, yeah, it, it's all mine. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's luxury. It's You're a pretty frugal guy. You do, if you win or do something big, you go out and treat yourself, or are you kind of not into that stuff? Um, yeah. I'm not, you know, I I guess it'd be smarter than not. Like, I, I have a few nice properties, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that I decide to live in. Like, I'd much rather have a nice home than a nice car. That's just kind of the, the direction I go. I've been told it's a better investment, too. I don't. Yeah, they tend to appreciate it. <laughs> they tend bit to appreciate it better than, uh, than cars. Losing yeah. everything. So I mean, I for whatever reason, I have a little uh, statue at my parents' house, a little like golf figurine or whatever you want to call it. And I, I took a sharpie when I was a kid, and I I drew uh, an AP logo on the sleeve. I had Adidas on the hat. I had Mercedes on the on the chest. All this, I always, I wanted the nicest car. I wanted the nicest Net watches. Jets, yeah. You know what I mean? All, exactly. I'm yeah. a caller. All this crap. And so I had AP as a, as a, as a, you know what I mean? I got Highland now, but I had AP as a, as a thing. I'm, you know, I figured watches aren't really it. Uh, I could have done a thing with Mercedes. I'm like, I just cars are just not. I, I, really, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really don't care about it that much. You know what I mean? I just want to play good golf. You're just like barn rat. Hang, hang with one. I want to hang. Like off a of barn rat. Yeah. <laughs> same same guy. You know, he's got friggin', he's got a pair of shoes that are worth more than my car. I think <laughs> that's probably very very true. But I'll tell you what else has paid off for you, and that's your relationship with Charlie Hoffman and Phil Mickelson living back in San Diego. Seagull. The seagull. How, how has that benefited me? In what? In any? Well, I'm kidding. Well, yeah, that's financially, the first time. I think it benefits you very well because you absolutely wear them out in those games at home. How? But how instrumental has that been to your career? Like, I mean, getting to watch. I mean, Phil Mickelson, one of the greatest to ever play. For sure. You spend a lot of time with him. So I actually have learned a lot more from Phil. I, I didn't really play with Phil initially. I was I wasn't one to sort of, hey guys, I'm from San Diego. You're from San Diego. We should hang out. You know what I mean? That wasn't really my style. <laughs> And so I didn't approach it that way. I just kind of, Phil needs his alone time. He, you know, and now that I kind of learned about media and all this stuff, like he's got a lot on his plate. So I'm like, I'm not going to go bug him. Charlie, on the other hand, was someone that was more like easy, easier for me to approach than anyone else. And so I, at tournaments, I started playing practice rounds with him. I'd ask him, you know, I'd text him where registration was. Like, and he was great. You know, everyone calls him Seagull, which is true. It's a very accurate name for him. It's um, the he, best. He will fly and shit on you when he has the opportunity to. <laughs> Um, like a seagull does but for me personally he he was instrumental in a lot of my success uh, he sharpened my game on Tuesdays and helped make me made me feel comfortable quickly you know at other events so I I do owe Charlie a lot and all right that's we, enough nice things I about know, Charlie I know. this is probably gonna, the nicest thing we're, someone's we're ever said out. about Charlie in, in all honesty we're gonna edit all this oh, out <laughs> that also works for me <laughs> part of our protocol part of our policy here no no Charlie Hoffman fluffing I get it yeah but what's it been like getting to know Phil? Like, how much do you lean on a guy like Phil who's been there, done that? You know, he's a guy whose career everyone would like to emulate. Do you, do you lean on him for advice or not? Um, you know, I, I don't really I'm, – maybe I'm just too, you know, uh, shy to ask someone for advice. I mean, I, my style is more to, you know, if I can introduce myself and end up playing a practice round with him. You know, I'll ask him sort of shots that I don't feel comfortable hitting, like around the greens, you know. What do you like? What can you not learn from Phil around the green? So I'll sit there and watch him hit shots. And I, I played during quarantine a, a ton with Phil, and I sort of watched everything he did, how he, you know, how he practiced, how he went about chipping around the greens, his mentality when we're playing, you know, against each other, and obviously more lighthearted than tournament competition rounds. But it's the big thing I learned about Phil is just the guy is addicted to the game. Like he he is so driven and passionate at his age and for how long he's been playing. Like we'd go play, and he'd always ask to play an extra nine holes, and if he lost, he'd want to play another 18 holes and then I know he'd go home and go practice on his range and rancho <laughs> you know I always joked about I'm like Phil I, I know you've had a nice you know sauna session warm-up you know, routine off at eight o'clock I'm like I know you've been hitting balls for two hours with ghetto at the back yeah. I flew a drone over your house like I saw you guys all doing it you know he thought that was pretty funny because he was practicing at 6 a.m. for our question. little our little match you know what I mean it, it shocks me you didn't ask him for any advice with the driver off the tee at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he, you know, he actually asked me a few things about the driver, what driver I'm using, sort of my thought process with driver. And, um, 
I didn't really give him too much crap about it. I, I, it's not my place. He's won, you know, five majors. Yeah, it's still your place. And it's I'm still, like, you, you know, give him that kneel. I'll, I'll, I'll wait my time to, 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 to lean on him. You find it hard to get him to come out of his shell a little bit and get him to talk. He's kind of reserved. Doesn't like to. <laughs> Whenever you know, I'm down, speak on. edit this part out. Whenever I'm okay. down to Phil, all I have to do is start asking him questions about one of his sponsors or his coffee, and he'll start running on about it. And he'll actually forget that we have a match. And I feel like that's my time to shine. You know what I mean? Perfect. Spr- spring in. So make sure you edit that part out. I don't, I don't know if he yeah, listens we'll, to this or we'll, not, we'll but cut that too. that's kind of my, my go to move when he's kicking my ass. <laughs> I love that. Well, you've had some incredible success in majors, you've knocked on the door quite a few times. I want to go back to 2019 because that was obviously one of the most special masters with what Tiger Woods mm-hmm. did. You finished second. Take us through like that week. What was it like? I mean, he was obviously in the mix the whole week going on. What was that Sunday like with the, with the roars going on? And it was, it was a dream. It was everything I dreamed of as a kid. You know, I think it's pretty rare to come up, come across a, a moment like that. I never thought I'd, I'd be, you know, playing at a high level while he was still playing at a high level. So it's funny finishing second there doesn't, hurt as much I think as other finishes I've had just because at the end of the day you know I sat there waiting for him to go into scoring saw him holding his kid's hand the sea of people you know him part of the sea basically it was it was a you know historical moment and um but coming down the stretch there holy, holy smokes I was I was kind of in the zone and then I saw myself tied for the lead and I completely lost lost my marbles there for a little bit have you ever been in like an atmosphere like that no no shot. Not me personally. I mean, I, I watched him win the U.S. Open in 08 at Torrey Pines. I was there by the green. And when he made the putt, it was it was almost like a, you know, felt like I was at a basketball game or a football game, you know what I mean, at a golf tournament, which is hard to do. I think he's probably the only one that can kind of make that noise. But um, the environment there on Sunday with the trees and the noise and the people and everyone running around when they're not supposed to be, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> Let me ask you this, because you said – I looked up and I saw I was tied for the lead and I kind of freaked out a little bit. Like, yeah, do you was, wish you wouldn't have looked? That was 15. No, I'm always going to look. Okay. You know, that's just – maybe I'll keep my head down initially just because it doesn't matter. But coming when you need to know, you need to know. Mm-hmm. And I was on the 15th hole on a par five that everyone's birding, and it was a need-to-know moment. And so I think I looked up on 14 up at that little board there in between the two holes, and I saw that I was – you know, I just birdied. I was tied for the lead, and I was like – Sitting there over my tee shot, like, oh, oh, you're tied for the lead at the Masters. And I shipped it right in the trees. And I was like, oh, shit. Now I got to try and make par. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, tied for the Back, yeah, basically. Well, so many of the guys that play the Masters talk about how it's a place that you learn over time, right? The more you play it, the better you understand your way around that golf course. Now that you've got four stars under your belt, what, what do you know now that you didn't know when you first started? Or how do you play the course differently? That I can win. I think that's really the big the big teller for me. I, I can compete. I can win. It's a course that sets up really well for my game, how I, like how I shape the ball. And um, whether it's firm or fast or soft, I, I've been fortunate enough, I guess, to play in all kinds of conditions. Typically, firm is, is what's the most fun to view. You know what I mean? That's when you see yeah, guys putting it and into the water yeah. and doing crazy mm-hmm. stuff that we normally don't do. But um, I think that, for me, the big takeaway is that, you know, I'm lucky we go back to the same place and then I can win there. Well, well, so I was going to just ask, your, your U.S. Open and Masters records are spectacular. I mean, your worst finish in your last four U.S. Opens is six. Do you have a preference between those two as to which one you think? you trying to jinx me right now, Jay, or what? Yeah, just a little announcer's <laughs> jinx right there. Commentator's curse. Yeah, right there. It's 100% proof. It. I know you didn't. You're too smart. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> Do U.S. Open or Masters? Who are you? you got one that you think suits you better? If he didn't ask, it doesn't count, right? Yeah. Um, we'll cut that. Uh, I don't know. I I think they're both just really difficult. If you look at the winning score, it's always U.S. Opens are anywhere between uh, you know five over and five under to eight under tops, and the Masters is always whether it's really firm. I think the low, highest is nine under, maybe ten under, and the lowest is uh, we've seen twenty under. So for me personally, any tournament where the winning score is you know you shoot three or four under each round, um, and you you, might, you have a good chance of winning a tournament is, are the ones I like to play. What is one looking back that you're like, man, that one should have been mine? Uh, just any tournament? No, 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 major. Major. Um, it's so funny when I look back. I just, I, I feel like I, in those moments, I always made such big mistakes, like rookie mistakes. You know what I mean? When I, when I go back and think about how I handled the day, obviously I did a lot of things well um, and kind of pulled off shots I wasn't supposed to, but. Uh, I think when you're trying to win these tournaments, the most important thing is to not get away from sort of how you play and how you got there in the first place. You know, you don't lead tournament, you don't sort of win tournaments by doing these crazy kind of things. 
you look at Tiger's whole record, you know, he won tournaments by birding every par five he looked at, squeezing a few in here and, you know, making pars on par threes and squeezing a few birdies here and there. And, you know, he threw a fist pump in there to make it seem like it was something really exciting. But for the most part, he played really boring golf. Yeah. And so I think in these majors, major situations and major tournaments, it's so easy to, that's why they're so hard to win is because you start sitting there and you start thinking about, you know, the end result and um, you go, you just go straight away from everything you did to get to that point. And I think when I look back, that's sort of what I did. I, I got really nervous. I haven't been in that situation. I wasn't comfortable. And I ended up sitting there like trying to hit some crazy shot that I can't hit or uh, something that week that I did that was stupid. Well, I'll tell you what my, you, you, you said any tournament. So I was like, my favorite win of yours is when you shot 11 under on Gary Woodland's ass to catch him at Kapalua. <laughs> That's mine, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the best. One. Oh, man. I love Gary, but I was like, I played with Gary today. I played nine holes with Gary today. He's great. Gary's been, you know, someone I kind of, I, I don't think I've leaned on him too much like Charlie, but I definitely, you know, went through a span where I played a lot of practice rounds with him and, you know, someone I learned from a lot as well. Uh, say, sorry about Kapalua. Yeah. I'm not sorry about Kapalua. No, yeah. don't be. No, absolutely not. I think, you know, when we saw him, we saw Butchie too, and Butchie like, saw us the next week. I was nice playing. Yeah, he <laughs> would That was great. He yeah. wouldn't apologize if it was if what, the shoes Oh, no chance. No yeah. chance. I wouldn't what feel he, bad about He had like a three-shot lead shot, he, shot he, five yeah, he, he played great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Play better, Gary. Play Gary, better. Gary, great round, man. That was, that was awesome. You got to close. <laughs> got to close. When we mentioned earlier in the show, like, I think everyone would agree, you don't have any weaknesses in your golf game. But if I was asking you, what's one area that you would say is a weakness or an area you need to improve, what would it be? It's got to be my short game. Um, I know it's statistically it's gotten a lot better. But uh, when I say short game, I mean probably just chipping in general, chipping and pitches. Uh, in those tough moments coming down the stretch, we all know you're going to hit a weird shot here and there, and all of a sudden uh, 80% up and down gets knocked down to like 60 when you're a little bit more nervous. But if you're a really good – you know, chipper and pitcher, you can make those kind of hard wins easier. You know, if you look at JT, how he's cleaned up tournaments, Spieth, how he's cleaned up tournaments, these guys, like Phoenix is a good example for me where I was really upset. I had so many, I hit the ball in the correct spot so many times on par fives to where I, I should have left myself, you know, a gimme or a five footer at worst. And I'm sitting there with like 14 feet for birdie. I'm like, what the F am I doing right now? You know what I mean? And so I'm sitting there just judging the crap out of myself. Like this is, which is the wrong way to go about it, but I'm like, I know this is my weakness. I know if I can get over this hump and kind of make golf even easier for myself, I'll, I can rattle off some wins. Well, you make it look pretty damn easy. Yeah, you miss about two greens around, so not a lot of chipping. That's going why on. I need to work on my chipping. I'm not yeah. used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, you know, this year's Masters, you, you mentioned the roars in 2019. This year, I mean, you were the one making those roars. It was around. fun. That was, it was awesome. This I mean, year's, yeah, it was, it was a special Masters. I mean, it looked like Hideki was running away with it, and then all of a sudden, here you come, boom, 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 knock off some birdies in a row place is going crazy and all of a sudden you've made it a golf tournament again then you head to 16 and the whoops happened yeah it was 15 was 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 gnarly austin for whatever reason knew um obviously hindsight i'm sure hideki would have laid up on 15 but hideki hit i had a good drive on 15 hideki hit a really good drive too and austin looks at me and goes this is it he goes this is our only chance i go what do you mean he goes he hit a good drive he's gonna go for the green i'm gonna go i'm I'm like bullshit and Austin goes, not that I, trust me, my caddy's the least guy I want to fluff right now, but he goes, this is the only shot we have. And he goes, if he hits a really good shot, screw it, we lose the tournament. You know what I mean? We don't have enough time to come back. But he's like, you know how hard this shot is into the screen right now? And I'm like, yeah. And of course, Hideki, <laughs> landed, hit Hideki landed, what, like five yards or six yards past the pin and it, like tomahawk straight into the water. And so we get to 16. I feel all this momentum on my side. Um, we looked at the wind, the flag on 15. Everyone knows that corner is kind of brutal. So many guys from 2019 told me that same pin, similar feeling wind, the hole always plays shorter. And I hit seven iron in 2019 and I hit it long and I had the sketchiest two putt of my career in that situation. I did two putt. I ended up making like a nine footer in 2019 after I hit it way past. So we knew long was a miss. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, I need to bury this hole, guys. Like we're trying to hit it just right of the pin. No biggie. Wind's down left to right. He goes, I'm like, I like eight. It was going about 180 for me out in Georgia. And so the pin was like 190. I can't remember what it was, uh, 190 something. And of course, as I hit, I hit like kind of a trap draw, which is what I do when I hit it hard. And the wind kind of went very across or almost into. And then we're sitting there and I was like, oh boy, here we go. And so I, I hit a perfect shot. And um, it was funny when I dropped in the drop zone. Uh, it was We had a nine iron now from like 150, 52 or something. And I hit a nine iron that flew like back at it flew like yeah. 164. And so 
after the round, Austin took it really hard on himself. But I told him, I was like, dude, we got like we got the win wrong, but we were half correct. Because the reason I was able to I was really upset, but the reason I was able to sleep on it okay was the nine iron went downwind. So the wind was swirling. It wasn't like me and him were complete, you know, had complete blank moments. And you we were just, never on seven. We effed it off, you know, effed it up, you know what yeah. I mean? And it seemed like you were never on seven iron. We were never on we were on seven. Um, if I had to do one thing different, I would have just cut a seven in there. I think going with the wind is the big key. You know what I mean? Not fighting it on that hole. The worst case, you bail out right. But you look at Hideki, I mean, he freaking hit it right on that tier, and he three-putted. Yeah. So I knew if I hit, if I bail out to the right, like I'm not, you know, I'm not pressing this tournament, you know. So yeah, overall, um, really a fun experience for me. And not that I, can, I can't change anything to it, and I don't think I would have. I think I, obviously if I, if I would have gone back, I would have hit a seven iron a little bit different. But I think in that moment, I'm, I'm pretty happy with sort of what Austin and I did, even though it, the result really sucks. <laughs> You seem like a guy that doesn't dwell on things for too long after the fact. Are you a guy like in these close calls that you've had in the Masters multiple times? Is, do you take the positives away from those more more so than you I, take I, the I try. You know, it's funny. I think my the most angry I've been, uh, my girl can attest to this, was at Kapalua. I know it's not the most important tournament, but winning is winning. Um, where JT ended up winning there uh, when I three put on the final hole. Um, I was so pissed for whatever reason for like five days. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to be really aware of kind of just my surroundings and kind of how I feel and just be really honest. And it was like four days after the thing. I'm in San Diego, like a week off or two weeks off. I'm sitting there brushing my teeth. And I just start like looking at myself. I'm like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sitting there looking at myself like, you? Yeah. I was so mad. And so for whatever reason, I was like, man, I'm not over this. You know what I mean? So that thing took me for whatever reason. It took me like five days to get over, which is kind of a long time for me. But like I said, awareness is key, and I was pissed off. Why that one reason. more so than the others? I don't JT. know. Yeah, well, I know how much he hates losing, <laughs> mm. and so I don't know if that you know played any part of it. I just I think I really wanted to kind of keep in my winning ways, kind of keep keep it up, and I really wanted to win a tournament, and um, maybe that you know put more pressure on myself there. I have no idea. That's I'm yeah, <laughs> random. Brushing my teeth, random. And, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. And I'm just start you know yeah. cussing myself out. <laughs> That's, well, we gotta talk. Let's talk oh, no, a little bit about the team events because mm-hmm. you played, okay. played the President's Cup in 19 down in Australia. A lot of people say you were the MVP of that team. It pretty pretty damn good run down there. we got the Ryder Cup coming up this season. Safe to say I think you're probably going to be on that team, but how much do the, does it mean to you to qualify for those team events, and what are those weeks like for you? Now that I, I can't speak to Ryder Cup, now that I sort of know what the team events are like, you really want to play on them. Yeah. You know, they're, they're awesome. They're really special. They're really cool. They're really different. Um, it's such a really is a team effort and uh, guys that you normally don't root for or uh, you know that you're just competing against you know you're all kind of sharing the same house that week and everyone's pulling for each other and uh, just the whole setup and get up for the whole thing is, is just really something you, you don't want to I can totally see why when guys make the team and don't get on it they're you know they're pushing extra hard to get back on. Are you a guy that thrives? The crowd in Melbourne was awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. they were great, and there was kind of peak. That was during Patrick Reed's deal, and they were kind of really giving it to everybody. Are you looking forward to potentially be playing in front of the home fans and getting a little, a little, you know, seeing the other side of it? Yeah, you know, you guys know I'm not really. Um, I don't really show too much emotion. I've noticed. E- yeah. Either way, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're not going to get a whole lot out of me. Typically, I can kind of see how in a team environment, if I would say anything, that probably be, that could be a place where. You might see a fist pump or so out of me. Just I might get fired up more than normal. You know what easy. I mean? It's easy to do. I'm not making any promises here, but um, yeah, I think playing back, playing back on the or in the, back in the U.S. Uh, in, in front of home fans would be really special. Hopefully, there are going to be fans at that tournament. I have no idea what the logistics look well, like. There better be, or they shouldn't have it. That's that's why we canceled the last yes, one. Exactly. So yeah. hopefully, you it's not some fifty percent deal yeah. here. Have you yeah. ever had a blow up on the golf course at any level, junior golf, college, pro, whatever, where you've like slammed a club or broken anything? I've never broken a club my whole life. Wow. My dad either. His whole rule was one. It was like if you break a club, I'll snap one over you yourself. Um, <laughs> it's a good rule. And then fair trade. The second one would always be sort of his whole uh lookout on the whole situation was always sort of like if you were playing by yourself in the forest or in a random place where there's literally no one within 100 miles of you would you break your club that was kind of how he made me think because he thinks a lot of what everyone does it's for show it's, sh- it's you know it's showmanship gamesmanship whatever you want to call it where guys you know have a hard time expressing their emotions in the correct way so as a kid i always would think you know i'd always put myself in that Imagine if I was, you know, 100 miles away from everyone. Would I snap this club right now? In my head, I'm like, 
damn, I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> but I also don't want him to snap a club over me, so I ended up never breaking one. So if you don't, if you hit it in the divot in the middle of the fairway, you don't like freak out and make sure everybody knows it's in a divot just in case you hit a bad yeah, shot. Yeah, you got to do not, that. Not quite my speed. I, I really, I, That's a good play, though. Yeah, I try not to. Just in case something Make bad sure happens. the cameras know it's I'm, a bad lot. Yes. I'm probably, I mean, I, I might do a couple extra leans. <laughs> That's and sit there. Yeah. Here. You yep. can do the hands on the hip and stare down, you know, and sit there with your caddy, give it an extra 20 seconds to let everyone know it's in a divot. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to do much. So you call Colt over and say, make sure yeah, everyone make sure knows. Yeah, you it's like, yeah. shit, it's not my you fault. You see a little camera screen? You, you flip that thing around? Yeah, you've been watching my camera. It's nice. Huh? <laughs> yeah. That is a nice get up. Exactly. Yeah. All right, a little E9? Yeah, let's hit All it. All right, we do this with everyone, Xander. Emergency nine, nine little fun questions. Fire away. Okay, first one movie made. About the life of you. Eventually, someday, you're still young. We're not ready to make a movie about your life yet. Who plays you? You can pick anyone. Actor, dead, alive, whatever. Who plays me? Um, that is a good question. I'm trying to think of who I really like. It's funny because I feel... Uh, I heard Fleener over say it was uh, Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I feel like he has a... My Everyone close to me at home knows I'm a big goofball. And they think I'm really weird, which is fair. And I feel like it is a bit bipolar, which I'm trying not to be. Um, <laughs> but I feel like Chris Pratt can be really serious and a complete goofball at the same time. Okay. And so I feel like he'd be kind of a, 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 someone that would do a good job of playing playing my role. Oh, who'd you get? Well, Chris Pratt's going to be busy. I had one that might fit this to a T. I had James Franco because he could be weird as shit. Yeah. And he's I, also he's like, a little too uh, out there in he's space odd, at yeah. times. I feel like he's gone even a, a weirder direction. You know what I mean? Like Shia LaBeouf-esque. He's, he's different, yeah. He has some sure. strange views, but I could see that as and well. And the looks are like somewhat, you know. I'll take that. Yeah. That's, I mean. I had, that's solid. One, he can play golf, and two, I feel like he can play any role as well. Michael Pena. That's J.J. Spawn's lookalike, but um, I, I'm a you big, know, I am a big well, Michael Pena guy. So far, there have been. He can many, be serious, too. So far, there have been scripts made about yeah, J.J. I was about Spawn. Go. I, was, I was waiting for you. I said, get it. Get it. I can so, see you going there. I said, say it. Michael Pena, if he has a choice, I think he's going to go with the Xander Shaw play movie. Could, All right, Michael, we got two roles for you here. Pick one of these. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. All right, you got your headphones on while you're practicing. Who are you listening to? I don't listen to music when I'm practicing. Okay, that was a shit Good question. <laughs> All, right. All right, you're in your car listening to music. Good job, Drew. <laughs> you're in your car. If you're ever listening to music at any point in your day, who are you listening to? Um, I go through spurts where I listen to a genre. I'll go anywhere from kind of older rock to Motown. My putting coach and I, this is, I actually lied. I, just, I apologize, Drew. No, My putting coach always you. has some form of like 90s or 80s rap, anything from like Tribe or uh, Special Ed, which is really random, but, you know, on his Spotify up to, you know, Motown. So he kind of got me hooked on that. So when we're putting, he'll play like Motown or, or some old school rap. All right. And when I'm on my own, I kind of adopted some of it to where I'll listen to some, you know, Motown or old school rap or rock or anything. But I do go kind of like by genre. Okay, so you go in a little phases. Phases, for sure. I don't like, you know, I'm not one to say, like, I'll listen to anything. I do listen to, like, certain genres in bulks, and then I get over it, and then I move along. Okay, fair enough. All right, next question. Whose money do you enjoy spending more, Charlie Hoffman's or Phil Mickelson's? Charlie Hoffman's, not even close. <laughs> There's a lot less, because he's scared to play for a lot, but <laughs> Charlie's is nice. Charlie. Okay, follow up to that. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page here. What would be more lucrative for you, winning the FedEx Cup or playing against Charlie Hoffman every day? <laughs> you could quit the tour and just play Charlie every day. If we set the price, I mean, hey, he is playing some of his best golf right now. He is playing. He's nice. playing good. I but know, eight months, eight months ago, or or a year ago, before he started working with Blackburn, if we could have set the price to the right amount, we're we taking the Charlie Hoffman route here. Yeah, we wouldn't have well, to travel, do all that. He has gone on record and told us he's like. I, I don't want yeah. to play him anymore when I'm at home because every week I give him an envelope full of cash. He goes, I shoot 67. He shoots 61 every time we tee up. He goes, I can't beat the guy. So if you just want to like adjust that, put an asterisk by what he said, I shoot like – I mean, he was shooting 73, 72, 71. <laughs> but the days where he shot 67 and I'd shoot 63 – I would grab his cash with a big smile. Well, I talked to Phil about it last week too, and he even agreed. He goes, "I don't want any part of him when we're." Phil's home. gotten he's a bad. Scared. Phil's gotten a bad stretch. I mean, the farms. I don't know if you've played there. Is a I bit. Of, it's a. It's a tight course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Phil's best move is uh, if I hit a ball out at the farms. Phil always brings his driver and his iron, like a two iron. And I'll just see Phil as soon as my ball like hits bush, he just throws his driver and grabs his two iron. <laughs> I look at him, I go, "Really? Maybe Phil? Maybe we should go play the Grand. That's more your your place." There are there's some yeah. He's the worst there, loser yeah. between those two. When you have when you take money from him, who takes it worse? 
I mean, neither of them. Phil just wants to keep going. Yeah. Big big bank, take a little bank. Yeah, is a correct mentality. So, of course, if he raised his stakes and kept going, I mean, it's well said. Yeah, yeah. big bank, take a little bank. Okay, I thought Charlie would for sure be the worst loser. Charlie just grins it off and goes and has wine later on. You know what I mean? Perfect. <laughs> yeah, goes and flies around. Does what he does. Yeah. Just flies around. Find yeah. someone yeah. else to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. As you know, I don't really hit it very far. You, you still know? got any of those illegal drivers laying around? Maybe I could borrow one. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, unfortunately, the RNA did take one of mine, but I have like you know a whole stash. Uh, I think the best part about that is, is <laughs> you, they took they made you take that one out of play, and then the backup you put in was actually faster. I don't even know. It's funny though. This year, for whatever reason, I'm hitting it further, and so I've I've got my I got my blood drawn. I've had a urine sample. <laughs> I've my driver got checked at Tory. I'm like, they're coming after me, and I'm like, eh, just let the little guy hit it far yeah, sometimes, no you know what I mean? Yeah, can a fellow hit some bombs here without getting full rectal exam? I went to Callaway a couple months ago. I was like, just give me one of Xander's. That's what I need. <laughs> Those things seem to go pretty far. The Didn't one, work Yeah, the, the one that went three feet further, apparently. Yeah. I, I don't know. Tough break. Tough break. All right. I'll just stick to my own driver. Yeah, you're good. Straight your game, keep, Colt. Mm-hmm. Keep stretching it out. 48, 49. All right, if you were playing an alternate shot match with your life on the line, and you could pick any American to be your partner, who do you want? Patrick Cantlay. Mm-hmm. You guys feel like you just get a little too fired up at times. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good. We really got to real. We got to real. We got to reel it in. Freaking roller. We have coaster. our ups and downs. I mean, we'll take turns snapping clubs here and there, but yeah. Um, Pat, yeah, his, our games are really compatible. His, if you you guys know numbers, his all around stats are unbelievable. He was leading the tour in all around for uh, I think by a lot two years ago or a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're. I mean, I was joking in Louisiana. We we're playing alternate ball, and you know. <laughs> I hit a chip to like seven feet, you know, which for me is pretty standard. And every time he chipped, he put me to like this water bottle, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, two and a half, three inches or whatever. And every time like he, he missed a couple seven footers and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I put you to seven feet. Like this is where I live. Yeah. Pat. It's like, you wonder why I putt so well. It's because I have to constantly leave myself seven to nine feet when I chip. It's a tough life I live. Yes. Welcome to yeah, my real world. Tough yeah. Patty. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. This, uh, yeah. this chipping. All right, perfect. This leads great to the next question as well, because you and Patrick Cantley like to play a little gin against each other. Every once in a while, I heard y'all might have played a just for like fourteen straight hours on a plane ride one time. Lifetime, who's up in gin? Oh, I quit. Really? So he's always going to be up. It's not it, Sheldon for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason, I was up. We played for nine hours on the way there. And I was up for some reason. Everyone's like, Pat's really good. And I was getting really good cards, and I was intentionally playing kind of funky because I knew it would be unorthodox. And he was kind of rattled, you know what I mean? And, of course, his approach to everything, you know, the longer you put yourself in a position, the better it's going to get if you are better than an individual, which is very true. I guess it wasn't very long. It only took 13 hours for him to absolutely flip and then almost double what I owed him so or what he owed me. So he'll be up forever because I told him I quit. Who, perfect. Who are some other gin players on tour? Um, I heard that Andy Barnes is actually, yeah, actually, yeah, actually really Andy good. Barnes, yeah. Um, all the caddies claim they're good stuff, but who knows if they actually are? <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know if you know this. Phil will claim he's pretty good. That's the which sound. is hard to believe. You know, it is you hard should, to believe. Hey, yeah. you might make to, a commercial about it too. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should get him on the gin table. Who's that, Phil? I've had some nice luck with him there. I will. T- I will. We'll, we'll stick to the golf. Okay. Like I said, big, I'm, could I'm, be another big bank, little bank situation. It, it would definitely be that. I'm not good at cards. But golf, I, I'm only good at one thing, guys. We'll stick to hey, it. If you're the little bank, shit. <laughs> yeah, we got stress. Well, you use Phil as an example. Yeah, true. Good point. All right, next question. If you could spend the day getting to know one celebrity who you don't already know, it could be athlete, celebrity, whatever, who would you pick? All these celebrity questions. Getting to know one celebrity? Yeah, just a guy that you're like, that oh, looks cool. I want to hang out with him. Um, or her. Let's see. This is stuff I don't think about ever. These are tricky. These are tricky. These are tricky. I'm not really a celebrity guy. I, like I said, I try to be consistent across the board. I'm not really, you know, I don't try and shine too bright. Right. Um, who would I like to know? It's got to be some sort of athlete. Um, the likes of anyone that was at the top of of their game, I guess, would be Michael Jordan is prime, a tennis player, even an, even like someone like Lewis Hamilton, honestly. I know his car is probably faster than everyone else's. That's why he wins a lot. But he's obviously really good. Anyone that was – Roger Federer, Nadal, any any one of those guys who are at the top and maintained at the top is someone that I would like to 
So I guess I don't know. I'd consider them celebrities, but then it's not yeah, going to be. Yeah, Federer would be sweet. It's not going to be some you know uh, movie star or something like that. No, I, I threw athlete in the mix. Too, got yeah. it, got it. Yeah, it would have to be some someone, some athlete that was at the top of their game, and I'd want to ask them sort of their mentality, what they did, and sort of you know any tricks up their sleeve that you know helped them. Besides working really hard, I've heard that one too many times. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you get stopped in public very often? Like yeah, uh, not out of a golf term, obviously. That's no, a, a few times. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. My my age range is really. I, I tell my girl not to worry at all. My age range is like you know your guys' age. You know like how old are you guys? Like forty. Super young. 30, 35, okay. th- calm down. 35 or 40-year-old guys is sort of like the only people I recognize me, so I tell my girl not to worry at all. Yeah. He's yeah, not near as nice as everybody thinks he is. Yeah. They're starting to realize this. this. Everyone's not finally getting nice. that inside peek at Xander they yeah. wanted. He's been this enigma for so long. Now, now we're figuring it out. All right, last question. You started off, as we mentioned earlier, at Long Beach State. Under the guidance, you kind of John Ballinger kind of took you under his wing a little mm-hmm. bit. Now you get to the PJ Tour, and you got Charlie Hoffman, you know, kind of as a mentor. How in the hell are you so successful? <laughs> I don't know. God, when do you think know. it'll end? So you didn't listen to anything they said, obviously. <laughs> Backs against the wall for sure. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Hoffman got way too much love on this show. He did. Yeah, we'll just edit, We're going to chop Just edit it out. Yeah, you know, we will. Can, Let's change everyone to Seagull, too, instead of saying Charlie. I, I, I like Seagull. It should be. I heard you said it on air, actually. I said Someone it on air me. Sunday at Tampa. You didn't it's explain why it's Seagull, though? I did. So, um... On air? We were in commercial. Okay. Well, we were in commercial, and they said, Colt, did you see the notes today? And I was like, no, I don't really read the notes. But it says next Sounds to Charlie's like <laughs> name, it lists all his accomplishments, stats, and it also says known as Seagull because he likes to give crap to all the PGA Tour players. And I'm like, well, since it's in the notes, can I use it? And they're like, yeah, just think of a classy way to kind of say it. And I was like, I kind of panicked, and we had him on the first hole, and I was like, oh, Charlie Hoffman, known as Seagull to his fellow PGA Tour players because he likes to fly around and just try to ruin everyone's day. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, it worked out. I would have just like been it. like, you know what seagulls normally do. They yeah. smell terrible and they fly around and do one thing. That's it. He yeah. does smell terrible, That's too. That's accurate. <laughs> but is there a better fitting nickname on the PGA Tour? Not at all. I don't even know what's like second. Maybe Gary Matthews is the animal just because he's an animal. Yeah, that's not even that cool, though. No, it's just no. scary. Yeah, it's just scary. <laughs> yeah, it's not even that cool, dude. But he embraces <laughs> it. We, he was walking off the first tee at Tampa, and I'm up in the fairway. I mean, he's 250 yards away from me, and I look up, and he's just coming down the first fairway. The dog's Charlie? out flocking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Charlie. yeah he, just, he, he, he loves it. Oh, for he sure. loves that. Yeah, he embraces it. Awesome. Yeah. Xander, well, thank you so much, my man. This has been great. Yeah, thanks for having you. me, guys. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, that was Xander Shoffley on Golf Subpar. Sleaze. I love that he took a few shots at you. Right off the jump. It's open season right now. I'm just taking it left to right. Wyndham obviously fed him a little. little this was way before even the caddying situation, but Wyndham was giving him a little juice there. I was Like I told you going in, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I like to joke around and have fun. I don't know how this will go over. And you're like, no, dude, he's great. He'll have a good time. And we, we talked before we started recording. I was like, yeah, this guy's great. And then all of a sudden right out of the gate, bam. Hey, mm-hmm. Sleaze, by the way. And then I was like, oh, this, this is going to be fun. I like fun. that. I mean, how could you not think he would have a little bit of ammo? I mean, he plays golf with Charlie Hoffman and Phil Mickelson all the time. You, you have thin skin or don't have anything to fire back at those guys, you're going to get ran over. That's true. And he might be good enough that he doesn't have to say anything because Charlie won't even gamble with him anymore. Phil talking about, you know, how much he loses to him right now. I mean, this kid is so good. And uh, he's in the hunt so often that he probably, you know, he kind of gets the rap like you don't win as much as you should. But he's just he's up there so often. I mean, it's a joke how, how many times he puts himself in contention each year. Yeah, and he holds it together so well in the course, even when things aren't going his way. And even after in the interviews, I mean – I like the one where he said, like, five days after, I believe it was Hawaii, he was brushing his teeth, he just looked himself in the mirror, and he just started dog-cussing himself. He's like, <laughs> yeah. get it together. Like, I was like, I mean, but he's so competitive. I think you got to have that. I mean, he's got that fire that burns inside him. But he is just, I mean, I don't know if you consider him a superstar yet. I mean, he's top five in the world. He hadn't won a major, but he – in my mind, he is a superstar. If, if you don't consider him one, he's damn sure going to be one. Yeah, he's top five in the world. I think that he's at the tip of the iceberg right now in his career. I think his golf game is one of the most enviable. It looks so simple, so easy. There's nothing bad. I mean, he talked about his short game, maybe the one area that he needs to clean up a bit. I guess when you hit it as well as he does, you know, you don't have to chip all that much. So maybe it's easy to, to neglect it. But also a really cool story from him, like not even seeing his golf swing for so long, too. I think so many young guys can get caught up and they can get with teachers that want to Perfect positions, perfect dictating, all this stuff. And you can kind of strip some of the feel and the DNA away from a player. Um, kudos to him and his dad for kind of keeping him away for that for a while. And he just seems like he keeps the game so simple. Like nothing's really ever way off on, on Xander's game, ever. I mean, the one time he was actually going to miss a cut, I saved his ass. He owes you. Torrey Pines, you know, find mm-hmm. his ball 30 seconds to go on the 35th hole. Look like he's going to miss the cut in his hometown at Torrey Pines. I find the ball gets up and down, makes the cut on the number. Boom, tied for second after a hot weekend. 
435000 something like that. Just maybe a little kickback. Yeah, maybe a Lambo. Give you a Lambo, and you still got a couple hundred probably to play with, you know? What's, I mean, what's, but, what's, what's the worst that could happen? But, if I mean, it's just hard not to root for this guy. He's just so nice. He's fun. He's so talented. I mean, he's just – he's going to win a major at some point. Yeah, and I think you can mistake the the – you know, his kindness for weakness, like he's a soft-spoken guy, doesn't get out there. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to rip your face off, stomp on it, and take your heart. And I, I think he'll be a beast at Ryder Cups for a long time to come. And he's just a guy that will just wear you out, tee to green, just kill you. I think he could just suffocate guys in match play. He could do us all a favor and rip Charlie Hoffman's face off and stomp on it. That would, or maybe he already did. That's why he looks like that. Maybe maybe wait one week because we're about to get to our, pick, our picks here, our gambling picks. Maybe oh. wait one week and then rip his face off. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, we're heading into the memorial. Charles Schwab challenge first off. You didn't even pick your own guy which you had a decent week if you went tied for 20th but that's embarrassing you don't even back yourself you went with colin morikawa correct finished tied for 14th along with my guy abe answer who i got lucky as shit i thought he was gonna miss the cut um got very lucky to sneak in the weekend had a nice weekend tied for 14th as well so i believe i producer mark i still have a decent little size lead yeah with both those t14s you each grabbed one hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred twenty-five dollars leaving the lead at $311,998. Okay. Not that much. One week snug. and it can, it can switch. All right. It's well, snug. We're on to the Memorial. Mm-hmm. Jack's Place, which it's going to be a new Jack's Place. Got 18 new greens. Changed up a few of the holes. A little bit of a redesign. I'm interested to see where you go with this one. Yeah, don't know exactly what to expect out there, other than it's probably going to be tough. Uh, it's Jack's Place. He doesn't like seeing the scores crazy. We saw that last year, but um, – I mentioned maybe Xander hold off a week before he ripped Charlie Hoffman's face up. And that's why, because I'm going with our favorite ocean-dwelling bird this week. Charlie Hoffman is my pick. Looking at his play recently, man, dude, he's got five straight top 20s, seven of his last eight top 20s, and his top 10 in strokes gained approach and tee to green in his last 36 rounds. He's playing really good. I don't know whether I've missed the wave already and I should have taken him before and hopped on that or if there's still some left, but he's only on his third week in a row. A lot of these guys, like Wyndham, for instance, he's playing his seventh straight week. Some of these guys are on a long stretch right now. He's only on his third, and, man, I mean, he hadn't played bad in a long time. So I'm going to go a little, maybe you know, maybe not top tier here, the top 10 in the world type guy, but I'll go with uh, Charles this week at Memorial. And I, I talked to him last week. I was like, you know, you're playing great. And it pains me to say that. And I don't want to root against him because I love his team. Like, I love Andy Barnes, his caddy, his coach, Mark Blackburn. I was like, I wish somehow they could still make money and you could still suck. But it's just not really that possible. But he is playing some great golf. Um, I don't know if it's – 62 know. on Saturday out there at Kelowna this week. That was – or on Friday. Friday, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah, he's he's been playing three out of four rounds really mm-hmm. well. You just got to get, get them all together. All right. I'm going to go with a guy who's won around this golf course. Might not have been at the Memorial. Different tournament. But he's won at Muirfield Village. I think, you know, his putting is always the issue. You took him last week. I'm mm-hmm. going to take him this week. Here at Muirfield Village, I think the greens are so tough to putt that not a lot of people just make it from everywhere. And I think people rely on their ball striking a lot around here. Fairways aren't that narrow. you got to hit precise irons to leave yourself chances. Nobody hits their irons better than Colin Morikawa. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and burn him here at the Memorial. It's a big purse. Let's we'll see what yeah, Colin Morikawa this week. I think you're right. I think the greens are so hard to putt that it kind of nullifies almost great putters. I mean, like Cantlay, Rom, Morikawa, those are guys that have all won here. You don't really think of any of those guys like the greatest. I mean, not bad putters, but not the best. It's more just like tee to green, I feel like. So I think you got to just strike the nug. All right. Well, here's to a good week at the Memorial. Next week, we got our man HV3, Harold Varner III. will sit down with us on Golf Subpar. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>